Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman Podcast. Trevor will be sharing 20 years of his NBA, NCAA, and overseas basketball playing, training, and coaching experience to help basketball athletes, parents, and humans find their athletic edge and thrive. Thrive is a deep dive into the lives, routines, habits, and minds of the world's best mental performance coaches, leadership professors, pro basketball athletes, NBA and WNBA skill trainers, and thought-leading sports psychologists. Let Trevor help you find the edges of your comfort zone so you can thrive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive with Trevor Huffman. Don't forget to check out these other great shows on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Cavalier Central, and of course our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. You can find all our shows on your favorite podcast apps. All right, guys, on the Thrive Podcast today, I got Matt McQuaid. He's a legend. Uh, we just got done running Manton Basketball's COVID-safe camp where everyone got squirts of disinfectant every after every drill from Ryan Hiller himself. No parents were allowed in the gym. It was pretty awesome. We had kids in a ball. They never, you know, they pretty much used their ball the whole time. And Matt McQuaid was the, the engineer, the expert, the shooting coach. So, and also you played at Michigan State, no big deal. I'm sure we'll get into that, but I'll just let you introduce yourself. You know, tell us who you are. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, as um, my man Trev said, I'm Matt McQuaid. I am originally from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I spent four years at Michigan State, and I just finished my first year up in Frankfurt, Germany as a professional. And uh, I'm still uh, waiting to hear where I'll be next year. So, yeah. Did you? Did you when you came from Dallas to Michigan? I know that must first of all that's that's not close. That's a tough transition. But did you have an like, hey y'all, how y'all doing? A pair? Did you get made fun of? Like, was that a tough transition with your accent? Because I felt like it came out at the Manton camp. Yeah, I definitely throw a y'all out around a lot. And I think when I first got up here, I was getting a lot of crap about it. But <laughs> I feel like uh, over the over the four years though, I've kind of transformed my accent to a little bit like a michigander yeah you're you know i'm starting to starting to say pop a little more and you didn't say pop until you got here no we call it coke down there you talk you call it cola everything's a cola there's no like sprite to cola oh we call it coke (laughs) everything's coke all right (laughs) what kind of coke you want i'll take a sprite Oh my God. That is a fun fact. I, I don't think I, 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 I never knew that. I never knew that, Matt. Uh, that's really weird, but I also accept it. I accept that not every state's the same and uh, Texas does things differently. That's impressive. I mean, did you go to Germany and be like, hey, what kind of Coke do you want? Like, what did the Germans say when you did that? Oh, uh, yeah, they, that, that confuses, that confuses <laughs> them. You got you to gotta be careful what you say over there. <laughs> they're, just, they're like, wie geht's? I don't understand. <laughs> I like quote movies because I'm just used to being with my friends in college and then they just give me these looks like, what are you t- What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, man, I forgot. I can't say that anymore. You do like a, uh, wait, what's your, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like on the verge of being a millennial, but you for sure might not even be a millennial. You are Gen Z. Did you know yeah, that? 90, 95, yeah. 
95. So you're, you're not a millennial. I don't even no. know how to talk to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, like, what are some of the values of your, of your generation? Get really deep on that. I don't even know yeah. where that question came from. Like, okay, let me just let me just like millennials. Millennials are known for like, okay, um, I'm not going to do what my parents did because they were miserable working their whole lives. You know, millennials are like, I'm going to figure out a way to balance my life and my work, but I'm also going to post, you know, on social media stuff that is not even completely relevant to what my life actually is like because you do have you know make money i was gen x we were kind of that last we were like the last remaining survivors of like we're just gonna grind out yeah <laughs> that we hate doing you know like um you know we had to just do stuff i was kind of on the the verge like i told my dad i was my dad's like you have to get a job i was like no i'm not gonna get a job dad i'm gonna wake up at 6 a.m and play basketball <laughs> for eight hours a day, <laughs> like it's a job. And he was like, okay. So that was kind of like my attempt to be Gen X, even though I was being a millennial by kind of choosing something that may not have paid me anything if I, you know, I got pretty lucky to go pro. But what is your generation about? Like, talk about that. I don't know. Honestly, uh, I think a lot of my generation and like millennials too, but I feel like most of my generation is just social media. Just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I feel like you see like 18 to 25 year olds making like th hundreds of thousands of dollars off TikTok, off Instagram and stuff, you know, and just, uh, just that people are making a living off social media now. And it's crazy how much the world is changing to virtual. And mm -hmm. I think like this pandemic has showed a lot of people that you don't really need to work, go to work every, like a lot of people mm -hmm. can work from home which is, you know, kind of scary because you don't get that socializing and face-to-face -face yeah. that you want to get. But I just feel like, uh, you know, with my generation too, you know, um, basketball-wise, it's really changed. Like we uh, talked about before this, just virtual workouts, you know. Kids kids can go online and go on YouTube and just look up workouts. Where like yeah. back in your day, you had to freaking – get creative and make up everything. Yeah. And, to drive 400 miles to go to a camp of champions run by high school coaches. Yeah, exactly. And now kids can just, uh, you know, they can get really good training, just typing in, you know, your website or, mm -hmm. you know, anywhere, man. It's, it's hey, crazy. Thanks for that, uh, plug there. That was great. You're a, yeah. you're a natural. Yeah. He's a yeah, natural, shout everybody. Out, shout out Trevor Hoffman, <laughs> Trevor Hoffman.com. Um, no, Matt, uh, just a quick side note. So Matt and I had never met. He came up to do Matt and basketball program camp, which, you know, was awesome because, you know, you, you kind of focused on shooting and, and, and some of the stuff that you put into your programming and system. And I was just like, I mean, I wrote it all down. Like after you got done, like the rhythm shooting, some of your micro steps, you know, where you kind of slide around backpedal, slide, backpedal, slide, where you're getting that a lot of those micro movements and, and shooting, your one-legged stuff, your balance stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that coaches, I think high school coaches, uh, kids, players don't see because the game is constantly evolving. So it was really fun to kind of see like, okay, I want to, you know, take some of what Matt was doing and then also put it, you know, if I was still playing, I'm not, but, you know, put that into my program. And, and I now I can teach that to kids virtually. Like every kid can have access to you or to me or in, in this world of technology, how do you think it changes like 
the game? I mean, literally, do you think the game is evolving in a good way with AAU and the way we're training? Or do you think we need a little bit more of like Tom Izzo's old school, like fundamental? I don't know. Like, I feel like we have these two schools, you know, old school versus new school. I mean, what's your opinion on all that? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm more of an old school guy. I love that face-to-face training, but I mm-hmm. just feel like, you know, I feel like in a way players are, are, are better these days just because of all the access to the training individually. And there's just like, you know, the emphasis on just uh, shooting and stuff. And you got mm-hmm. these new shooting guns that are crazy and all this technology. And Yeah, like how many – did you, did you have a gun at Michigan State, obviously? Yeah, we did. And how many um, shots would you get up on that, like in a half hour to an hour, if you were going hard? I would try to get 300 to 500 mates. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so that's, I mean, that like I had to get a re, I had to shoot by myself when I was a kid, you know, just from reps. Yeah. That is insane. Or you got to find a friend, which, you know, you got to double your time because. Yeah, if you're getting if you're getting 200 shots, you know he wants to get 200 shots. Yeah, none of my friends are like, I'm cool with you. I'm cool rebounding yeah. for you. Yeah, dude, I'll, I'll rebound. For, I'll take an hour or two out of my day and just rebound for you. I always hate when you get like your buddy from high school and you're like, hey man, let's shoot in the morning. But you do like you mix up. All right, let's go. Let's go ten makes. All right, his ten makes took like a half an hour because he never shot. And, you know, I'm, I'm shooting like 10 out of 12, 10 out of 13, you know, and I'm just like, this isn't fair. Let's just go. You, okay. You go five makes and, th- and then they get pissed. And he never showed up again. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's, I've had some scenarios like that too. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you, who your friends are. You do. Yeah. Hey, basketball parents, coaches, and athletes. One of my favorite adapted quotes is we do not rise to the level of our basketball goals but rather we fall to the level of our basketball training system. Why do I say that? Well, I want to help all your basketball athletes, kids, or players figure out how to chase their basketball dreams in a smart, systematic way. So I'm offering my live online basketball training community today and get a free week of virtual home basketball workouts streamed into your garage, your living room, your basement, your driveway, and you get to work out with the pros. All right, we do this every week, and for the first time, your kids will have direct access to me, sports performance trainers, other pro coaches for as little as $25 a month. If you're interested, please visit trevorhuffman.com or text me, quote, Huffman Club with your full name at 810-771-8622. Again, that's 810-771-8622. So you're old school. You like, you're, you're, you're in Dallas, you're sweating sweating buckets out there because it's so hot all the time how explain to me kind of what you went from middle school to high school and then high school to college like kind of what your training system was and and in and, and that journey to to get to michigan state which you know was is awesome by the way it would have been a dream of mine to get recruited by tom Izzo, but he just left me alone in northern michigan just was like no trevor's not good enough he is not good enough for michigan so i had to go to kent state you know but you got recruited yeah, well, <laughs> we uh early early when I was like little, my dad did a lot of training and uh, just individual training with some high school kids around the area, and uh-huh. you know we would just be at the gym, especially like on Sunday. That was like the big day. We were up there for like four or five hours. You just had different groups coming in, and then like Tuesday, Thursday, he was going to different gyms. I would always just go with them, 
So he's just keeping me busy. And I kind of just had that instilled with me that this is how you do it. You got to put in the time, put in the work and just big on sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I missed a couple Super Bowls because we were in the gym on Sunday working out. That's impressive. And it, yeah. So my dad taught me a lot about just sacrifice and just putting the time in. You know, he's old school. So, yeah. you know. Uh, Were I've you doing had, like pivot moves and stuff? Were you like reverse pivot, front pivot, rip? Like, was yeah. he like, was he militant or was he, did he kind of like let you get in the gym and kind of have your own flow to the workout? Or was he like, Hey, we're going to do these 10 shots. We're going to do these next 10 shots. You know, how, how did he, he break down your, your workout? Yeah. I feel like he was more militant with it. He, he mm-hmm. definitely had like a plan going in and he's like, we're going to accomplish each one. And like, you know, everybody's uh, got a certain number they're trying to reach. He was always big on makes. You know, I, yeah. I still, I, I love that. I don't, I don't like going up and just getting shots up. You know, I love getting makes and just, uh, just taking advantage of every shot you can. Yeah, I think it, it's funny because even when I asked you how many shots did you get on the gun, you were like, yeah, three hundred to five hundred makes, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's the, that's a, that's a mindset. That's a shooter's mindset. I think like. For me, I want to get 20 minutes of dribbling, work crossing over. You know, I want I want to be able to dribble two balls up and down the court as fast as I can. Like for me, you know, as a point guard and guards, like like you said, you kind of wanted to transfer more from from just being a catch off the off the catch guy or, or off pin downs and, and create right. creativity off the dribble. You know, I think that you know having that like okay, I'm going to work on this today on my skips. My slides, my uh, my downhill on pick and rolls, my splits, you know, all these different things that you can do, and having that written down in a program, I think even for high school, you know, I think it's a smart thing to do. But also tracking your makes and saying, all right, you know, I got to get into a, a pick and roll situation and make eight out of ten. You know, I got to get ten makes, and I tell kids like, what are you making out of ten? Like ten makes out of ten, twelve, fifteen. Like you should know what you're you know, kind of what you're trying to achieve and what your intentionality is on your shooting. So is that kind of how you did it? You'd be like, oh, I'm getting, I want to get 10 makes on these pin down threes and you track it, you write it down. Or were you guys just like, I'm going to get 10 makes. Yeah. So like in high school and like, you know, before I got to college, I was like real big on just getting as many makes as I could. And then I, in college, I got up more along the lines, like, like you said, trying to go 10 for 12 from three mm. or like, five for six on these lifts just uh mm. you know more a little more mental a little more challenging a little mm. more pressure you know i think that's that's a lot that's really important as a shooter is putting pressure on yourself in practice for sure and uh just like implementing as many game situations as you can really because when you cut when it, there's a difference between shooting in practice and shooting in a game and that pressure is different yeah do you do you feel like that intensity is hard to reach in practice without kind of putting you know, mental pressure on yourself. Like I got to make 10 out of 12 or five out of seven in this, in this, in this segment of practice, or I do a gut buster. You ever do stuff like that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I always, I always like try and put myself with the consequence, whether it's 10 pushups or a suicide or gut mm-hmm. buster as you call. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's Texas. You guys are like, yeah, we just call, we just call it a suicide. We don't. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. no we used to call them suicides too and i think i was yeah. like man maybe that's not the best word you know as you know our world evolves we're not going to yeah. go down that rabbit hole um <laughs> but so you you got so you're in high school right at what point kind of like tell me about your low points in high school 
you know, getting recruited uh, and then, you know, you were probably getting recruited by, uh, uh, obviously some, some pretty big schools. And tell me about that process of what you took from recruiting, what you can help parents with and kids that kind of like, I, you know, I was that kid too. Like I wanted, I wanted, uh, uh, I wanted people to see me. I wanted people to find me. Like I imagine social media now is like essentially creating these demons and these skeletons in the closets for kids who are like, nobody is recruiting me and I'm good enough, you know, like, but if you just focus on being good enough and stop worrying about like what everybody, all the hype around other players, you know, you essentially are doing what you can, you know? And I think how, how would you talk to parents and kids and coaches about that process? Um, it's a wide question, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, exposure is just the main thing when you're trying to get noticed. And, you know, I would like always go into these, uh, AAU tournaments and like just, you know, when it was like an open period or something, you know, Mm-hmm. My freshman, my like, I was always playing up. Like, I was playing if I was in eighth grade, we were playing a ninth grade or tenth yeah. grade tournament. Yeah. And I was fortunate to fortunate enough to play in the EYBL uh, when it was like just starting. We were like in eighth grade playing like the ninth grade, and the ninth grade we were playing with the tenth grade, and then tenth grade and eleventh grade we were mm-hmm. in the junior league. So I was fortunate enough to be in there with some good players on my team. So, and I wasn't the best player on my AAU team. You know, I was like. Yeah, who were you Probably, playing with? I played at um, I played with um, Austin Grandstaff, who was committed to Ohio State. Elijah Thomas, who went to Texas A and M. Juwan mm-hmm. Evans, who got drafted by the uh, I want to say Clippers or Oklahoma City two years ago. He played at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Tyler Williams. Loaded. Yeah, we had a we had a five or six D one guys. So and. I was just, uh, I had to figure out how I was going to get noticed because, I mean, it's just like college. You just got to find a way to get on the court. My dad was the coach and he's yeah. an old school guy. So he's not, nothing's given. You got to earn everything. So, you know, I, I just figured out like taking charges and, hmm. you know, wanting to guard the best player, you know, taking that challenge and knocking down shots when you're open and just expanding with your game and hmm. you get more comfortable, you get better, you get more confidence. and you know, coaches start to notice, and uh, that's one thing that that um, that, that 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 they love is just yeah. that's that that stuff that separates you. Are you gonna, are you willing to take a charge? Are you willing to guard the best player? Indeed. Are you willing to get over that ball screen? Ball screen, yeah. yeah. So it's like stuff like that, man. I thought, yeah, and and I mean, I I saw you play obviously in the Final Four and followed your career at Michigan State, and that's why I I, I mean, I think a guy like Izzo must have loved coaching you you know, because of all those intangibles of, of leadership and, you know, your internal, you know, your internal mindset, you know, that, that ability to say like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help my team win. Um, but I think a lot of kids forget that, that some coaches, college coaches place a very high value on that. And, and parents and, and anyone listening to this should, should remember that, you know, it's such a, it's such a great thing to have unselfish, uh, hard work, effort, high effort, uh, give up, you know, take charges, do all those things your team needs. Cause if you, if you do do a, go to a really talented team, like you were at Michigan state, like what'd you guys have five, you know, five all Americans. Yeah. You said at one point Izzo was like, yeah, you, you got five all Americans on this team. Like you, your role is going to be different. You right. Know? And your ability to accept that role prepares you for a lot of stuff after basketball too. And that, in, that mindset of like, I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes to get playing time or help the team win, you know, kind of, 
can you talk a little bit more about like how did you accept that? Yeah, well, I I love basketball, and you know, I'm not I'm not the most athletic guy, so and I just I just want to play. So mm-hmm. anything that they needed at that time, you know, I was willing to give. So mm-hmm. one of the biggest things, you know, at Michigan State was just uh, I re- um, you're not gonna like this, but Coach Fight really challenged me <laughs> on the defensive edge. You son of a gun. I know. We're going to come back to that. We are going to come back to that. I'm going to send this podcast to Dane because I watched the Indiana-Kent State Elite Eight game where he 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 didn't guard me. He, he didn't guard me that entire game. And I'm thinking probably because he was guarding the more talented player, Antonio Gates. But let's not go there. All right, just keep going. Oh, man. <laughs> See, Dane, all, this you, beef, all this beef maybe lose track. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Coach Fife, he kind of is the one that really challenged me to just take it upon myself to be the best defender, like, on the team and put in the time, put in the film work and just uh-huh. kind of help me out a lot in that aspect. But, you know, this is just, uh, you know, just finding your role, I think, is most important. And it can help you just find, like, what you want to do. Now, hold on a second, Matt. Hold on. You skipped a big portion of that. You Don't be protecting Dane just because he was your coach at Michigan State. He, he Listen, players play – they do stuff that you don't want to do. They grab, they hold, they step on your toe when you're coming off a down screen or when you're trying to get open. You know, that stuff happens. He he was teaching you the tricks of the trade, was he not? Yeah, he was. You know, he was yeah. a good defender in college. And Very he, good. Uh, he definitely got a lot of tricks. He's a, he's a little dirty, though. A little, lot dirtier than me. Uh-huh. Like, that's probably why they beat us in the Elite Eight. Really? No, I don't know. I'm just kidding. They they hit 18 out of 23 pointers. That's why they beat us. Oh yeah, I we, that. we couldn't defend. But um, I'm I'm gonna send this podcast right to his Twitter account, and if he doesn't respond this time, I'll tell you what, I'm going down there. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. So all right, so we're back. We're back on track. Back on track. So you're doing whatever it takes to get on the court, but you still you still got to have confidence, and I think this is one thing. I like to talk to parents and, and you know, I, I get a lot of like, oh, my kid's just not confident or, you know, our, our, we want our players to be more, more confident. And I always say like, well, well, what's their program? What's, you know, what are you doing every day to get confident? You know, how many shots are you hitting at game speed to feel confident when you get in a game? You know, it's like, it's like the, the chicken before the egg, you know, kids want to feel confident when they play, but then their, their program and their system of training doesn't create more confidence you know or they don't get that experience of playing up like go up and play a year or two higher than where you are and then come back down to your grade level now that's confidence because all of a sudden now the game slows down you can do all these fun things with the ball people are not as fast or strong so i you know i think getting out of your comfort zone is a great way to build confidence whether it's in your training program whether it's playing getting a challenger like finding somebody that can beat you in one-on-one and playing against them every day or, or, you know, three to four times a week. You know, that's the stuff I did as a kid. You know, I don't, my dad would take me into inner city Flint after church. I'd have my penny loafers on, you know, you know, those, right. Those, yeah, are, cool. Yeah. those are cool with Gen Z. Now they wear penny loafers with no socks, probably at Michigan state. I don't know. <laughs> so I get, my dad would drop me off and I'd have my penny loafers on the next thing, you know, you know, I'm, I'm hooping it up with just like, full-grown adults, inner-city Flint. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I was way outside my comfort zone. But, you know, that also, over time, as you expose yourself to that level of play and those better players, you, you get more confident because you realize, oh, I can, 
this works or that works or you know this is how I can get my shot off and, and then I know I got to go work on that shot because really it's just about can I make this shot <laughs> you know what I mean like it's right. really simple if you miss that shot in the in a real game then well go make that shot 10 times you know in a row in practice at game speed here that that should help you know some kids and parents understand how to get confidence how did you grow your confidence kind of just like what you just said just work you know just using it as like building blocks not taking steps back taking steps forward mm-hmm. and just uh you know just accepting that challenge of adversity when you have a bad game or you don't shoot as good as in a workout as you want to just coming back that next day and or that next game and just really challenging yourself to just overcome it almost and you know just kind of like i learned in like college with like implementing those drills like that five going five for six on a lift or you know seven for eight for from five spots you know that mm-hmm. that stuff kind of that stuff helps me just uh from a mental aspect you know it's like i overcame this today like i didn't get it the first time but i overcame it eventually like mm-hmm. and just conquering you know little challenges throughout your workout i feel like is a big thing and also the importance of playing so you can implement those things into your game yeah you know playing is just as important because you like you said you got to get game speed uh shots if you want to get better and implement it yeah no for sure and tell me about a time in your in your career where you lost all your confidence and how did you kind of dig yourself back out of that hole so um i was going into um my I want to say, yeah, so this is my sophomore year. I think we lose. No, it was my junior year. We lost in the playoffs. I'm committed to SMU at the time. Uh-huh. We, we, lo- we lose. Well, no, no, no. I'm not committed yet. We lose in the playoffs. And there was like a, there was a couple of college coaches there for, for me. So like, I, I played terrible. It was like, I was like, they're telling my dad, I was like, man, they, they were going to take my offers away. I was like, it was a low, low time for like me just mm-hmm. after that game. Mm-hmm. didn't play good hit like one three and just lost in the third round and it was just mm-hmm. not not good so that um that's like a couple weeks later you know i have a i end up committing to smu you know and um just uh got a, had a good relationship with larry brown you know this thing with like you know keep the tradition in dallas you know i wanted to be a part of but uh i also far, felt like you know like you just uh just kind of rushed it wanted to get it over with because mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm and so then like I go into the summer and I just put in a ton of work and I'm just like, you know, kind of just feeding off that game and just off the the emotions, like just of like, man, you know, that moment and just thinking about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And it just really drove me that summer. And I ended up having like a really good summer. And then uh, SMU got in a little trouble. And then I ended up decommitting and, uh, you know, played really good in like the EYBL, got invited to LeBron James Skills Academy. and. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where Coach Izzo first saw me, and then what um, is that, my, by the way? What I don't even for all the people out there like me that are uh, oblivious to the to the LeBron James Skills Academy. Yeah, so it's uh, it was in Vegas. It's like the top 100 players. I think Ben Simmons was there. Uh, a lot of a lot of pros were there. Malik Beasley, um, you know, just mm-hmm. a couple of the big names. But it's uh, it's just uh, like top top players, high school kids in the country. And it's like in the morning, it was like skill work and drill work. And then you would play after that. You would like go play. It's like four, four or five days. And you're just in a, ho- you're in a hotel and hotel and gym, really. And it's just a lot of grinding, a lot of games. Mm-hmm. There's 
there's a lot of college scouts there. I think NBA scouts were allowed, allowed there too at the time. So it was just a great opportunity. You know, you get that, you get all that LeBron gear. It's pretty cool. I but, love it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience. What did LeBron teach you? Did he like show you a move or was he kind of hands off? Yeah, he's kind of hands off. He actually got on the court and played with us a couple times, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Dude is so big. <laughs> yes, like, agreed. Like, for him to be like his size and like that, and like when he runs, you like can't even hear him. Like he's so light on his feet. That was like yeah. kind of what stood out to me. I was like, dang. Yeah, he glides, doesn't he? He's, yeah, I played him in Akron too. So, all right, sorry, keep going. I'm I keep interrupting you because I just have a lot of questions oh you're good um yeah that's uh so so we just drill work and games really mm -hmm. that's all it is for about four or five days and just competing and and then and and then you uh, sorry to go back to your uh after the smu decommit you you start getting after the lebron james academy you start getting recruited by other schools again like state and that's what uh yeah came out yeah um i actually have a i think Larry Brown was like sitting by Coach Izzo actually and told him um, that I was like originally committed and de ended up decommitting. So, mm -hmm. and uh, my grandma's from Midland, Michigan. My dad's from Midland. Hey, oh. Probably should have said that a little sooner, but <laughs> so there's kind of like a no. Michigan connection there. So, yeah. a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call and then I go visit my grandma in like August of that summer and play a little open gym with like, uh, valentine and gustello and that group and boards and then take my official visit in september and then commit that's great and that yeah. was that all started from your worst game in your high school career fueled your off season of work right yeah yeah i like that i see i love stories like that where you can use negative experiences and, and kind of use them for jet fuel i think a lot of kids are for you know forgetting that sports really kind of offers us like that crappy time in our life too just as much as it offers an achievement it also offers us um adversity and, and depression and set you know i i broke my ankle five times every year of high school i broke my ankle either playing soccer or playing basketball in the summer i just remember getting so depressed because i kept getting hurt and i felt like i kept falling behind everybody else that was getting recruited i couldn't play aau um, you know, and it was just tough, but I also, you know, kind of used that as jet fuel as well to say, well, I just got to do more, you know, even while I'm out, I would lift, I would do other, you know, single leg squats. I was doing all sorts of stuff, kettlebell, Turkish get-ups, you name it. Um, yeah. yeah. Injuries so, are the worst, man. Yeah. So I know how, I know how when you, when you hit that low spot to, to view it as a challenge and uh like matt did you know just use use it as as fuel for those workouts and your in your program um did you did you feel like at the manton camp you were like man trevor still got it like you did you think man if i play like i could still play if you were to play one-on-one -on -one? like who who do you think would win if if you if you were to play one-on-one -on -one? oh man you're really gonna do this to me <laughs> you can be honest matt i'm not gonna get offended if you say i would definitely decimate you trevor because i feel yeah, like that's it, what you're gonna say you got you got some like you got that og kind of game to you man where it just uh -huh. kind of never leaves you know you got those nice handles yeah i just i just think though like defensively for you though <laughs> i think I, I think i could get by a little easier oh yeah i'm giving up the jumper all day which yeah. isn't good which is not good for me because you can shoot i watched you shoot um <laughs> 
you, Matt, Matt's going to have his own shooting program, uh, hopefully online soon. But, uh, you know, it was fun to see kind of some of your stuff. And, and uh, I, you know, I asked some of the kids who would win in a one-on-one game. They all chose, you know, they all chose you, of course. But then I said, who wins in a one-on-one between Cassius Winston and Matt McQuaid? And they said it was split. It was like 50-50. Now, yeah. where do you stand on that one-on-one game? Oh, man. My man Cash is a pretty pretty good one-on-one player. Yeah. What's and, the uh, score? Like, what are we going he, to? You're, you're gonna, he's winning? I sounds like you've conceded that Cassius is going to win one-on-one. But if you had, like, ten man. games, you'd win, what, four? If we were playing ten? Yeah. Oh man! If you had yeah. ten games, you played ten games of one-on-one. You'd win. Like, how many games would you win? Shoot, maybe three or four, man. Okay. Hey, that's that solid. That's solid. That dude, that dude can score. He's tough to defend. Can shoot. So crafty. You know, he's just yeah. He's so good with angles, like getting by you, and then just putting a ball on the backboard anywhere he wants. Yeah. It's do you tough think? To guard. Do you think his one-on-one game is ready for the NBA? I do. I mean, yeah. he can shoot. He's great pick and roll, like unbelievably great. good, Unbelievable. great pick and roll player. High yeah. IQ. Yeah, you know his defense has got gotten a lot better, like over the years. I think he'll be fine defensively. But yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think. Yeah. You know, I hope he gets drafted in the first round. But yeah, um, yeah we'll what, see. What about you? What are we're gonna finish on? Like, what does your future look like? I know you're in Europe. You're in Germany. Kind of talk about your transition to Europe. How you dealt with it. And kind of what you see your future um, as a basketball player and, and human is, and how you're going to thrive. Because this podcast is called Thrive. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> I just got pumped up there. <laughs> you got <laughs> to sometimes right. plug your own podcast, I think. That's what uh, I've never, never, have I ever heard anyone do that on their podcast, but whatever. I did my first camp with you, and I'm doing my first with you. So, yeah. Hey. You're, getting, you're definitely getting a rookie. Yeah, you're growing. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you grow your game, yeah. on and off the court. That's what that's what thrives all about. For okay, sure. That was, the, that was the second plug. I think it's enough, everyone. We're, <laughs> <laughs> all right, go. All right, so you're you're going to Frankfurt, Germany. You sign your first deal. I know that feeling. I played in Germany my first year. First of all, Germany is a great place to play as a rookie. You were in Frankfurt, one of the coolest cities in Europe, like metropolitan skyscrapers. What was your transition like? So the language barrier wasn't bad at all. Most people sp- uh, speak English over in Germany, especially yeah. in Frankfurt. So like culturally, it wasn't like a hard transition. Ran a couple of red lights, got my license suspended. Other than that, it was all smooth. <laughs> you but wait, why did you run red lights? You just were like, wait, what are they? Why are they? They're like, do they go green, yellow, red? Kind of in a well, weird like, way. In in America, I feel like the yellow lights are longer. And when I first got there, I was like, saw. So I'll switch to yellow and I would speed up and it would end up turning red. And I didn't think anything of it. Like, yeah, camera, they got, they got cameras everywhere, man. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, oh, they're flashing those. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to like get my license suspended a month after like two and pay a fine. That was, that oh, was rough. Man. But, uh, that, <laughs> basketball those cameras, wise, man, people, Americans don't know about those cameras, man. They, they'll, 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 they add up quick. You get a, you get like four tickets from a, a bad day of speeding. It's, yeah. It's, they, they tell you, they take the, the, you have to send your license to the to the police. They just wow. hold on to it for a month. It's crazy. But would you ride your bike around? Like, how were you getting around Frankfurt? <laughs> uh, just uh, so it was funny because my the gym, the practice gym, is connected to a mall, and we lived in the mall. 
Okay, that's weird. All right. Yeah, but there was like grocery stores in the mall. There's Zara, H and M, Starbucks. It was it was kind of cool. Oh yeah, but, Starbucks. That's yeah. Cool. So it, it wasn't that bad actually. It sounds like heaven for for a yeah, rookie. So you could you could walk to the practice gym from the from your apartment in like two minutes. We had a public weight room, which was pretty cool. Uh huh. And but uh, basketball wise, you know, my first year, I think one of the main things was the physicality of the league. You know. I got hit on so many moving screens. They do not call moving screens over there. Yeah. And Nothing. I was like, I was just felt like I needed to amp up my lifting. So I was trying to lift three or four times a week heavy, just mm-hmm. trying to get stronger. Yeah. And, you know, just uh, learning like the different style of play, you know, coming from Michigan State where I'm used to a four-year system and just all the Michigan State plays and same coaches and everything, you know, you get – you get kind of used to that and you don't know how good it is till you're gone. And then you go over here and you're learning to be a professional and doing everything on your you know, own time and, you know, balancing your free time and just trying to do all that. You know, it's uh, it takes it, take, it took me a while to figure all that out. Yeah, for sure. And just being alone all the time, you know, that, that it's tough at first and not having the same support you do or, you know, at Michigan State, coaches are checking in on you, and out there, you just you see them for an hour and a half, and then you're good. Yeah, that's, that's the end of the day. Yeah, go about your life. Yep. How did you transition to like doing positive stuff? You know, with your free time, I imagine like right now we all have more free time than usual. Um, what did you do? Yeah. So when I first got out there, I was like, I was playing Xbox probably a little, and like, uh, didn't even like think about like you know, just really anything else I would eat and just like chill and like watch TV for like the first two months. And then mm-hmm. I was like, All right, I'm tired of doing this. So I decided to like, just kind of like, you know, help myself like grow and just was like, you know, started reading more and um, was listening to podcasts that are like beneficial just about health and like investing, you know, little stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, just trying to, you know, learn things and just grow and you know, other than just like playing basketball and going home and doing nothing, you know, just, yeah, you know, trying to benefit myself, you know, from something other than, you know, just basketball, really. Yeah, I think I that's what we were talking about earlier. It was like, you know what happens when you get done playing basketball and you've never learned or been curious about any other thing in life but basketball? Well, you, you're a washed up basketball player and you have no <laughs> you have no job, no money as a pro player. You know, you're going to go through your money. That's why, you know, 80% of pro athletes go bankrupt. And I think, you know, kids that are out there or parents that are out there and, and basketball is the main focus. It's like, yeah, but why can't I be also learning about business or investing or, or, or real estate or, you know, having multifaceted approach to learning? I think it's really important that, that you know, like you, you figured out on your own how to, how to create positive, um, outcomes or, or processes for you, you know, rather than just playing Fortnite in your free time. Like, you know, I know, right, there, right. I know there are professional Fortnite players out there, but is that really what you want to do 10 years from now? Be, you know, playing Fortnite eight hours a day. Cause you know, th- those guys really approach it like almost like a pro basketball player. Like, so I think even looking at it like that is a really positive thing you did, you know, and, and I think kids can take that from this or parents is like, Hey, look, Matt McQuay did it on his own and he's Gen Z. You guys are Gen Z too. No excuses, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ride on a mule 
with Grady Hiller, Brian Hiller's son, coach at Manton, you know, brought us in to run a program camp. Would Grady Hiller, would you ride in a mule ride, which is, do you know what that is even? Because I didn't until Grady explained it. I didn't, know, I didn't know it was called that, but. Yeah. What, how would you describe it for the listeners out there? A four-wheeler, right? Yeah, well, it's like, it's a four-wheeler, but it's like a bigger version of a four-wheeler. I think okay. it's got a cage around it just in case Grady wants to go off a jump, <laughs> which is, which by the way, Grady, we both talked about, we are not going to let you drive that mule because we saw no. how, you know, it's just not, I don't think he's at that mature level where he's taking the mule seriously. Definitely not. <laughs> but Grady, you're my guy, but I don't yeah. think I'd get on that mule with you yet. <laughs> we could give you a few more years to mature. Get you Maybe, in, maybe Indy though. Yeah, Indy, Indy's, Indy's a professional four-wheeler already, I feel like. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, I think uh, it's pretty cool because we got to go and help help a basketball program work together. You know, I kind of did the footwork and dribbling, and you, we, we went over European ideas and concepts, and I, know, I thought it was a, a, a great thing. So, obviously, if you're a program and you're listening to this and, you, you know, you want to steal Matt McQuaid to come coach shooting, I'll gladly just – you know, I'll be just in the background and on a mule riding into town. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else you want to, you know, kind of plug how, where people can find you? You know, you talked a little bit about your website and, and uh, kind of some ideas for shooting and, and helping kids and, and coaches. T- tell them about yeah. how to find you. And Yeah, well, right now I'm on uh, Instagram at MattBlast3. Um, my Twitter is MattBlast32. And, uh, I'm working on a website currently right now. Um, I'll get that on on those platforms. And uh, my email is MatthewMcQuaid3 at Yahoo.com also. Yeah. And that's it. Shoot, shoot, shoot him an email. He'll come, he'll come teach your kids how to shoot. And um, Would you – now, you did some of the dribbling stuff, uh, you know, you with me at camp. And, and uh, you know, you were like, okay, I, gotta, I got some – I can work on some of the stuff. Do you think it would be – something that you would ever do? Would you ever come on to the virtual Huffman club and, and show those kids that a pro is willing to grow his, his dribbling and footwork? Would you ever do that? For sure. You know, when you're a shooter, you got to be able to put the ball on the floor or else you won't be on the floor. Yeah. I was actually, you played a lot of one-on-one in that kind of that college workout or, you know, um, where we just had a small group and you guys were doing closeouts and, and creating space. And I was, I was really, I think you have a lot of room for growth there on that part of your game, you know, cause that, like you said, at state Izzo wasn't like, Hey, we want you to dribble five times. You know, he was like, we want you to shoot when you're open and come down, you know, be very efficient. And do you feel like that's kind of where you're growing your game now and, and looking at? Yeah, I do. I, I really putting uh, emphasis on it this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing I wish I'd have worked a lot more on in college is just my handles, you know, mm-hmm. alone, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Ball handling is just good for your feel. You know, it helps your shot because it's just the balls in your, just that feel and, you know, that confidence you get just from it. You know, it's mm-hmm. really helped. And I can already see a difference, you know, just from me, like emphasizing it and doing it every day out here, out in Lansing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's really helped me already. Yeah. Is, um, all right. Last, last two questions of the Thrive podcast. Do you think if, Dane Fife and I played one on one right now. Who do you have winning, and what is the score? <laughs> oh my god, that'd be an ugly game. Oh, it'd be just. I don't. 
we would be just maiming. We would be hard foul after hard foul if we go inside the paint. So it's really going to come down to who can hit shots. No, it's gonna. The game's not even gonna end. There's gonna be a fight that breaks out. We have to break y'all up <laughs> uh, for everybody. <laughs> so Dane Fife and I played together. He knocked me out of the Elite Eight the year before. I knocked him out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Upset him. And before that, we played against each other in high school in a summer scrimmage, where you know I was. You know, let's just be honest. I I wanted to be Mr. Basketball, but nobody recruited me. So. You know that was it. I had a big chip on my shoulder. I'm, I'm a. I can come out and say that I had a chip on my shoulder about Dane Fife. I thought I should have been getting recruited like him, but at the, you know, at the end of this like long saga in my own head, he probably didn't even know about this. He literally motivated me to become a better player. And so as I went on to play pro ball, and he went into college coaching, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, is you know, I'm beating him in one on one, regardless of the day or the time. You know, I'm ready and I might be 25 pounds overweight, but it's going to be, it's going to be an epic battle, Matt McQuaid, epic battle. All right. That, sorry. I got a little we, carried away there. If we could, we could video it, maybe like stream it and put it I'd on pay-per-view or something. Oh my God. <laughs> Sell tickets on pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> I would train, I would train for, I would train like six a days for that game. I'd be so motivated. The millenn- battle of the battle of uh, millennials. <laughs> yeah, no, Dane, Dane was always one of those guys who I thought was such a smart player. You know, Indiana, he, you know, had a great, great, awesome career. And I hope, I mean, I hope he becomes Michigan State's, you know, I don't know the other assistant coaches, but I, you know, I know how much, how much the coaching goes a long way in his family. His dad's an amazing coach. He, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure he's, he's already had head coaching experience. And now that I coached in Europe as a head coach, I just, I respect all coaches so much more. I know how hard of a job it is, you know, how stressful it is, how the highs and lows. So the fact that he's gotten such a great mentorship from Izzo and, and being a part of that program. But I, f- yeah, I forgot def- my other question, though. You definitely have a deeper appreciation for the coaches that, you know, have helped you when you're gone, too. And uh, yeah. all, all those coaches helped me out so much from Iz to Five to DJ to OG. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah. they all helped me a lot. What's the oh, okay? What last story? What is the craziest Izzo story you have? Because I think everybody out there just loves oh, Izzo. Man. Like, what's one that people don't know about that you can say that's PG thirteen? <laughs> PG thirteen. <laughs> Do they even make those right. anymore? Yeah, we, uh, we were at Indiana. I think it was my junior year. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And uh, Coach DJ, he always like he's we're we're big on nicknames and. Uh, I had a few like Fife would call me Moose and he would call me McNugget and God, a lot of my teammates called me Quado and Quade. So uh-huh. you know I had a couple nicknames and coach coach was bouncing around, but he never called me McNugget. Uh-huh. So we're we're um <laughs> we're, we're at Indiana. It's a close game. There's like five minutes left. He draws up a play for me to come off a like a pin down and just uh, hit a shot. Uh huh. And he he like draws it up. He's like, you gotta hit the shot. And he goes. You gonna hit the shot, McNugget? And I, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe he just called me McNugget in this crucial part of the game. And I see like DJ, who's got like you know, his plate, his the play, the piece of paper with all the plays on. He just puts it over his his uh, face. <laughs> I just look at him, and everybody's kind of like, "Did he just call him McNugget?" <laughs> That's fantastic. Did you hit the shot? I, I I don't even think I ended up getting the shot, but it was just. <laughs> 
the way they defended it. So. Oh, man, that is great. Just in the most tense time ever, he calls you, brings it out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, McNugget. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like that story. Yep. Well, listen, man, uh, thanks for being on. I know we went over a little bit, but uh, so much fun getting to know you and uh, working with you at the Manton camp and, and uh, look forward to working on more, hopefully, camps with you once um, once this COVID thing uh, frees up and the world gets back to normal next summer. And Yeah, man, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And uh, like you said, we had a good time doing that camp and I look forward to working with you again, too. Thrive.